Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and welcome to week two of our series on how to talk to God. The series is actually called Talking to God. Uh, sometimes, so often, we are used to speaking about God, but we're not always as good when it comes to talking to God. And this series, our prayer is that you would grow in your ability and in the, your fruitfulness and in the fulfillment of your own prayer life. So last week we spoke about the five dimensions of prayer or rather how to pray in five dimensions, which is a really helpful tool on how to pray. You're welcome to go listen to that sermon if you want to grow just in, in, in the way that you approach your prayer life. We spoke about that when we pray, a good way to pray is to pray through these five things by starting by looking back at the cross. Uh, celebrating Jesus. Secondly, looking up to our Father. Thirdly, looking in, allowing God to work in our own hearts. And then th fourth uh, is to look around us, to, to pray the prayer of, of uh, how, how does God want to use us in our lives. And then the fifth one is to look forward and invite God into our dreams, into our calendar and into our plans for the future. This week, we are shifting gears a little bit and we're going to be speaking about this topic of praying in the Spirit. Now, you might have read in the Bible or heard someone in church say this term, praying in the Spirit. Now, in this series, we want to discover a number of things of prayer, not only how to pray, but this week, speak a little bit of, of this topic of praying in the Spirit. Next week, we're speaking about breakthrough prayers. How do I trust God and, and press into a prayer when I need a breakthrough in my life? And then in the fourth week, we're going to be speaking about fasting or that fasting is actually feasting on God. And so for this week, when I say uh, the phrase praying in the spirit, you might have one of two responses because I believe today I might be speaking to two kinds of Christians, uh, two kinds of people. When I say praying in the spirit, you either have a reaction of saying, wait, 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 that's a bit too much. Last week, that's easy enough for me. But praying in the Spirit, that sounds a little bit too scary or too supernatural uh, for me. And you want to say, no, wait, this is, this is a bit too much. Or you might be on the other side where you say, yes, finally, we can speak about the deeper things um, and get a little bit more charismatic, right? We want to pray in the Spirit and you've got a deep desire or hunger to grow in this. Now, probably if you're part of the first group, it might be uh, either because you, you don't fully understand what it means to be praying in the Spirit, or maybe you feel like you are a, an inferior Christian when it comes to prayer. Uh, so oftentimes I've spoken to Christians that have walked into church and they hear other people speaking about the gifts of the Spirit or praying in tongues. And they say, well, I don't think I'm a good enough Christian for those things. You, you feel inferior. You, you kind of feel like a little bit of a, a, a spiritual loser when you're standing next to someone that is, you know, praying in a very fervent way or even praying in tongues and uh, as a desire to pray for the sick and all of, that, all of those things. And you feel a little bit inferior or you're just very excited about those things. Uh, but so we want to be speaking to, to both of these responses or both of these groups uh, today. Now I want to maybe start off by speaking to the, that, that first group. If you are the person that say, wait, 
that's a little bit too deep for me or, uh, you know, praying in the spirit. I've, I've tried it, but I don't get it right. I just think that I'm not, you know, good enough uh, to do those things. Uh, I know that God loves me, uh, but that's just a bit too much uh, for me. I want to start by speaking to you first and just explaining a little bit of this. Um, and then also we're going to be speaking to the second group um, at the same time. So in Romans 8 verses 14 to 16, we read something. Now, I think before we read this, just to say this, I think for many Christians, they've got this idea that, that you know, if I can't yet speak in tongues or, you know, pray in the Spirit in that sense, that what, like what Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, then, you know, I'm not a good enough Christian. And you, you doubt whether the Spirit is with you. I think so many Christians are walking around, and I believe they're walking around with the Holy Spirit, but they still doubt whether they have access to the Holy Spirit. They doubt whether the Spirit is truly active in their lives. Now, I want to quickly read you this scripture, Romans 8, verses 14 to 16. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You see, you don't become a child of God if it's not for the Spirit of God. He's the one leading us to God. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry. And so it's by him we cry, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, what we learn from this scripture, it is that it is by him, by the Spirit, that we cry, Abba, Father. So if you are a Christian and you pray, the fact that you are praying means that you are praying by the Spirit. And so in a sense, praying in the Spirit means you are really praying in the Spirit if you are praying. The, the fact that you are praying means you've got access to the Spirit because it is by the Spirit that we are crying out to our Father. It's so important for us to understand if you are a child of God and you pray, it means that you've got access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already present in you. It's by the Spirit that the Father and the Son have come and made their home inside of you if you have put your faith in Christ. It is Him that has drawn you close. So a Christian should not doubt whether the Spirit is present in their life. The fact that they are a Christian means the Spirit is already present and it is by Him that we get to pray. You know, the act of prayer is a already by the Spirit that we get to cry out to our Father. So it would be wrong for a child of God to say they do not have the Spirit. But having said that, we do know that the Bible explains to us the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, where, where the Spirit comes and gives us, us power and boldness. There are certain things, like certain gifts of the Spirit that is available to us uh, that we can pray for and ask. And that's what we're going to be speaking about in a moment uh, when we speak about praying in tongues uh, that 1 Corinthians 14 also speaks about. But it would be wrong for you to doubt whether the Spirit is alive and active in your life if you are a child of God. The fact that you are praying means you are praying by the Spirit. So in a sense, you're already praying in the Spirit, all of us. John 14 verses 25 to 26 uh, says the following, these things, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he's going to leave, leave them and go to the cross. He says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. And so it's not, it's not something else he's speaking. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit here. And then he's saying, you know, speaking about the Holy Spirit, peace I leave with you. So the Holy Spirit is this peace that Jesus is leaving with us. My peace I give to you because the Spirit and Jesus are one. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so Jesus is telling them, I'm sending the Spirit. The Father is going to send by me. He's sending the Spirit to you. And it is this peace that we get. Now, it's very important that we understand that God sends His Spirit to us. Now, we are going to be speaking, today is not all about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be speaking about this one gift of the Spirit, which is praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues um, and a little bit about that. But we have to understand that having the giver is way more important than having the gifts. And I think for Christians so often, when we don't have the gifts, we think that we don't have the giver. We doubt whether we have the Spirit at all when we don't see all of the gifts of the Spirit working in our lives. But we have to start with an understanding that we have got access to the Holy Spirit. If you don't start there, it doesn't help we even speak about the gifts of the Spirit. You have to understand that you've got access to the giver himself, to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me quickly just say this. Have you ever prayed? And as you pray, there is a sense of peace that you experience. Maybe you're worried about something, you're anxious about something. And then you start praying to God, bringing that thing in prayer before God. You bring your anxieties to God. And then you experience a, a peace. It's almost like a supernatural peace. It's this peace that Jesus is speaking about. It is the spirit that is alive and working in your prayers right there. And so if you've ever experienced peace like that, it means that the spirit is present in your prayers. You don't have to doubt it. He's already there. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to be a good Christian in order to have the Spirit's presence working in your life or in your prayer life. He is already there. Another example is that when, uh, you know, that moment last week we spoke about that, that third part of our prayers, when we look in. So it's look back, look up, look in. Looking in is when we allow God to work on our own hearts, saying, God, is, you know, search my heart, see if there's any offensive way in me, Psalm 139. You know, that moment when the Holy Spirit comes and He rearranges the furniture in the house a little bit, uh, when He convicts you of something, uh, where He just says that, uh, you know, teaches you uh, something about the ways of God in your life. That is the Holy Spirit working. That's what Jesus says in this passage, is that, that He will come, and bring to remembrance that which I taught you. It's the Holy Spirit working. And so if you've ever had a moment where you realize in yourself, you know what, I think I was wrong in that situation. That is not because you're a good person. It is the Holy Spirit working in your prayer life. Now, the big point that I want to make here is that if you are a Christian, you should never say that, oh no, I don't think I'm good enough to be praying in the Spirit. If you are a Christian, you already have access to the Spirit. We think that you are inferior in any way. Because it's not about what you do. It's the same as our salvation. It's something that we receive from God. I want to quickly read to you Galatians 3 verses 2 to 5. And maybe before I say this, um, just to, to, to put it maybe in another way. 
If you as a Christian doubt whether you have access to the Holy Spirit and whatever the Holy Spirit can bring into your life, you are doubting the work of Jesus because you're saying I'm not good enough. And so in actual fact, what you are saying is that the work of that Jesus did on the cross and resurrection and, and Him ascending and sending the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus was not good enough. It was good enough for some people, but not for me. And so you're not doubting yourself. You are doubting the work of Jesus. And in some way, it's sort of a slap in the face of Jesus, right? And this gift that God has given us in the Holy Spirit, when we doubt whether we have access to the Spirit, to be able to be praying in the Spirit. Galatians 3 verses 2 to 5 says the following. Let me ask you, uh, ask you only this. And so Paul is sort of being a little bit sarcastic in this passage. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Was it just by faith or was it by your good works? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so he's saying, you know, having begun by, you know, by grace and by the Spirit, do you now think that you will continue by the flesh? You see, so often the, the point I want to I get to is this, that I think for many of us, we, we look at God the Father and, and His grace on our lives. Uh, we look at the work of, of, of Jesus uh, on the cross and everything He did for us and thinking about your salvation, becoming a child of God. And we are easy to go to the place of saying, well, this was grace. It's something that I receive from God, not by my works, but something He gives. But then... As soon as we get to the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the working of the Holy Spirit, and like today we're speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit in your prayer life, praying in the Spirit. As soon as we get to those kind of things, we think I need to be a good Christian. I need to have some sort of a level of spirituality before I can access the gifts of the Spirit. And so we think that we, we access the Father and the Son by grace, not by the flesh, but the works of the Spirit by flesh. And that is what Paul is just pointing out to us, is saying the Spirit of God you receive by grace. It is something that He gives to us. It's not something that you have to qualify for. It's something that we receive from Him. Now, before we just go a little bit deeper into this conversation, I want to maybe just say this is that uh, for most of us, like I said, there are, might be two kinds of people that we are speaking to. There are two, also two dangers that we have to take note of uh, before we also go a little bit deeper, is that the one danger is that is, is in the church, if I may, may put it that way, is the charismaniacs, okay? So it's not only those who are the charismatics, but if, if you are a little bit almost too excited where you not only tap into the charismatic gifts of the Spirit, but you become a charismaniac where you start abusing those gifts. And what I mean with abusing them, like we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 14 just in a moment, is when we, we, we use those gifts in such a way that they do not build up those around us. We use them because we think they are great, but we don't use them in love. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about. Uh, it's about you know, doing everything out of love. And then it speaks about the gifts of the Spirit, saying that these should be used for building up the church, for the good of others, not just for our own experience. And so that's one of the dangers, is when we abuse the gifts because when they are not used to build up others. 
And the reason why that's so dangerous is that other people, when they come into our churches and we're using the gifts out of context, not to build up the church, either we chase them away because we are not relevant to them. They don't understand what we're busy with. We're not being sensitive to those uh, around us. We're not building up the church and extend, uh, making the church a bigger place by inviting other people. Or our fellow brothers and sisters are feeling inferior because we do it in a wrong way. We are not inviting them to tap into the gifts of the Spirit because we make other people feel inferior or feel like they are second-class Christians in our church. That's the one danger, the charismaniacs. The second danger is the avoiders, the avoiders. Now in church, we also find the avoiders. Not only do we find the charismaniacs, we find the avoiders. Whenever we speak about gifts of the Spirit or praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, anything like that, you just say, well, no thanks. You rather want to avoid it, either because you don't understand, and that's what I want to try and help show you. It's, it's part of Scripture. It's either because we don't understand or it's because of that inferiority complex. Maybe you've tried in the past, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. And now you feel like, well, what's the point? And maybe it's because, you know, I'm not good enough. Um, and I'm trusting that you would see today that, that everything we receive from the Spirit is we also something we receive by grace. Romans 8 verse 31 to 32 says the following. What then shall we say of these things? And it's actually speaking also about the Spirit uh, earlier in Romans 8. What then shall we say of these things? Is, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, if, if God did not hold back on sending his son, why would God all of a sudden now be stingy with the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit be stingy with the gifts of the Spirit working in your life? If you've got a desire to go into deeper levels of prayer in your life and you want something, you desire maybe the gift of speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, whatever it might be, whether it's speaking in tongues to prophesy to others or you know, praying in tongues to build yourself up, to edify yourself. If you have that desire, why would God be stingy with those things? If He already proved His love and His generosity for you on the cross when Jesus laid His, down, his life down for you, why would God hold back on the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit if He did not hold back on His Son? Maybe we, before we read 1 Corinthians 14, maybe just one last comment that I want to uh, make. In 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to read a number of scriptures just to quickly speak about, you know, what does it mean to be speaking in tongues or praying in tongues? But before we get that, maybe one last uh, point. Last week we spoke about looking back, looking up, looking in, and looking around and then looking forward. But that fourth one, looking around, when we pray, uh, ask God, use me, uh, oftentimes in our prayer lives, uh, you might have experienced this when you prayed, is that someone's name might pop up in your head or in your heart. Uh, you might think of someone, a family member or a good friend or a colleague. And in that moment, uh, what, it's actually, what actually is busy happening, you think, I'm just thinking of that person. But sometimes when we are praying, the Spirit is working in our prayers and He's reminding us of someone that He wants you to pray for. When you think of someone whenever you are praying, pray for them. That is exactly what intercession 
is all about. Intercession is just to stand in the gap for someone else. It is to pray on behalf of someone else. It's, it's you know, bringing someone before God and say, God, will you be with this person? And whatever God is stirring in your heart at that moment, pray that for that person. But what I want to encourage you to do, or, or just remind you of two things. Firstly, when that happens, just know that you are praying in the Spirit. Is that in that moment when you are reminded of someone else, that is the Holy Spirit working in your prayers. And so in a sense, you're already praying in the Spirit. I know that this has probably happened to you already. In prayer, you think of someone and then pray for them. You know, that is what it means to be praying in the Spirit, what it means to intercede for someone else. But what I want to encourage you to do secondly is when that happens, this week when you pray and you think of someone and you start praying for them, don't only pray for them. Send them a message. Tell them this morning, uh, you know, I prayed for you. Uh, God just put you on my heart and I just want to encourage you with this scripture. You know, send them a WhatsApp text or something like that so that God can actually use that moment. And when you're doing that, you are not only praying in the Spirit, but you are also prophesying because you're encouraging someone else. Now, having said all of this, let's quickly speak about this idea of praying in tongues. Now, in the Bible, uh, we don't have time to go into all of the details. If you've got more questions, you're welcome to first really go study all of these scriptures um, or you're welcome to you know, contact us and we will have a, a conversation or send you some resources uh, that you can dig into this. But in the Bible, we find three types or three examples of when people spoke in tongues in languages that were not understandable by the people around them, when people spoke in tongues or in foreign languages. So the first example is what we find in Acts chapter 2. And again, we find it in a later passage, uh, also in the book of Acts toward the end, where someone speaks in a foreign language. The Holy Spirit uh, was, was uh, given to the disciples in Acts chapter 2. They went out and some of them started speaking in foreign languages, but these languages were actually human languages. So other people in the city could hear what they were busy saying in their mother tongue, in their home language. And so they were busy explaining the gospel in a language that was understandable to other people. Now this is, a, this is an amazing miracle of the Holy Spirit. And we also read that, that, that many thousands of people got saved because of that. So this, this tongue or language is a language for evangelism. Okay, so that's what we find in the book of Acts, a language for evangelism. And I've heard stories of people that say they walked past someone and they heard someone praying and it was in their home language that this person was actually speaking. And so, and, and usually that is given for evangelism. So it is a tongue for evangelism when it's another human language or foreign language been given. Then the second example that we find uh, in, the, in the Bible is, uh, is, is a language or a, a heavenly language that is given. Now, the heavenly language is given either for prophecy or for prayer. And so we've got, you know, foreign language, which is human language, which is for evangelism. And then secondly, we get a heavenly language, which is for prophecy. And then thirdly, a heavenly language, that, which is for prayer. Um, and that's actually essentially the one that we're speaking about today, the third one, which is for prayer. Now, this might sound very spooky to you, but you're welcome to go read the scriptures in the book of Acts. Every time the Holy Spirit was, was given to people, people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of those times in the book of Acts, they started speaking in heavenly tongues. Um, and then in 1 Corinthians 14, 
Paul is writing a letter to one of the churches where this was common practice, where people were, were speaking in, in a heavenly language quite often, so much so that they were sort of the charismaniacs. Okay, so they were doing it in such a way that it was not building up the church, but it was breaking down. And so I want to quickly read um, about that. And specifically this passage, 1 Corinthians 14, is speaking about uh, the heavenly language for prophecy. And Paul is making the distinctions that's a distinction that sometimes this speaking in a tongue is for prophecy. It's for the church around you if it gets interpreted. And sometimes it is for prayer, which is to edify yourself. So let's read it together so that you can say, see that I'm not making up something weird. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14 says the following from verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue, now let me just quickly say this. This is right after 1 Corinthians 13, which was speaking about that we should do everything in love. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. And so he's actually speaking about praying in the Spirit. You're not speaking to other men, you're actually speaking to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. So when it's for prayer, it's for your own edification. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And so what he's basically saying is when someone does stand up in church and they speak in a tongue, a heavenly tongue, it is a good thing if someone else then comes and gives an interpretation of this tongue that was spoken. So in that sense, then it is prophecy. Prophecy is basically when we build one another up in Christ. And so when someone in church stands up and they are speaking in a tongue, and so this church had this common practice where people were getting up and they were, you know, shouting in these heavenly tongues, which is amazing. It's this gift from God, but they were using it in the wrong way. And Paul is busy trying to help them understand that if you are speaking in a tongue, you are speaking to God. And so if someone else has an interpretation of that tongue, then it's a good thing because then it needs to be interpreted because then everyone else can understand what this word means that has been given. But when no one interprets it, it is actually a tongue for prayer. It is for you to enjoy in the fellowship with your Father in heaven. Um, and we'll uh, explain a bit about that in a moment. Now, brothers, if I come to you, verse 6, uh, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And so the point Paul is making here is that, there, yes, there are two kinds of tongues. The point Paul is making is that for him, he feels that when he is in church, he would rather speak intelligible words so that everyone may be built up. But when he prays in a, foreign, or in a heavenly language, it is to build himself up. Verse 14, he says the following. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And so if you want to know, okay, well, you understand this, that you know, when we are in church, that's not maybe the best context or the best place. Uh, you know, to, to be uh, praying in a tongue because uh, the, the point of coming together should be to build one another up. So if there's a tongue, it should be interpreted. But if not, you know, then church is not the right place to be praying in tongues. 
It is actually something uh, for your own prayer life. But you might then ask the question, okay, but what is this praying in tongues? What, how does that work? Why, you know, why would God give something like that? It's such a weird thing. So, so verse 14, Paul says the following. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Now, I think for the Western mind, this might sound strange because, you know, why would you do something where your mind is not busy working? Is that a good thing? Well, let me give you this example. Uh, sometimes I listen to music, music without any words, but then it just stirs me emotionally. Have you ever experienced that? Will you listen to a song, a song that you might like, or maybe you don't know, if you didn't know the song or whatever, but it just does something. It literally puts you in a new mood. Uh, maybe you felt sad, now all of a sudden you feel excited. Uh, or you listen you know, to a sad song and then all of a sudden you start feeling melancholic or very blue. You know, sometimes music has the ability to speak to our emotions, not speaking to our mind, not us understanding what's exactly uh, happening. And so it's sort of bypassing the mind and speaking to our emotions directly. Now in the same way, speaking or praying in a tongue, can, the same thing can happen. It's like our spirit is busy connecting to his spirit. And it's sort of bypassing, you know, what, what you understand, bypassing the mind. The spirit is bu busy connecting. The same way as we connect emotionally uh, when we listen to something uh, beautiful on the radio. So verse 14 again. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? And so Paul asked this question. So, so what should we do? How should we think about church? How should we think about, you know, praying in tongues or praying in a, in a heavenly language? How should we think about all of this? What am I to do? And then Paul says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I'm going to do both. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. And so Paul is encouraging us to do both. You know, if you are the, the, you know, charismaniac, he's saying we should also pray with our minds and we should also speak with our minds so that others might be built up. We should also sing with our minds that, you know, words that we can all see maybe on the screen in church. But if you are the avoider, may you please hear today what Paul is busy saying. We're not only going to do it with our minds, we're also going to allow our spirit to tap into what the Holy Spirit has for us. We will also pray with our spirit and we will also sing with our spirit. Otherwise, if I give thanks uh, with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? And so the point there is that it seems like what Paul is saying is that when it comes to praying in a tongue, it's not primarily meant for church. It's primarily meant for you uh, in your own time when you pray to God. It's between you and God. So that's the main point that we get from there. Well, let me quickly read to you Romans 8 verse 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So this is also speaking about praying in the Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So not just intelligible words, but through wordless groans, these other sounds. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will 
of God. Now, a quick point I want to make there is when you pray in a tongue, you are just surrendering to the Spirit. It's, you know, it's this moment where you're like, God, I don't even know what words to say right now. And you start you know, praying in a tongue. It's a, it's a sign of surrender to God. Say, God, I'm still yours. I just don't know how to express it in this moment. So much so that I'm willing to give myself over to these words and sounds that I'm, that I'm going to be making now that don't even make sense to me. It's just a sign of surrender to God. Praying in the Spirit or praying in a tongue is a sign of surrender to God. And that's why it's good for you to do it as a Christian. It's a healthy practice because in that moment you are surrendering to God. So much so, surrendering to a level where it doesn't make sense to your own mind. And that's why it's a beautiful thing. John 14 verses 25 to 26. I want to quickly read that to you. And that's just, just the last part of the sermon because you might have this question, well, how do I get it? I want it, I see in the Bible that it's, it's for building up my spirit because my spirit is connecting with God in the same way that music connects with my emotions by bypassing my mind in the same way I can connect with God in terms of, of my spirit, connecting with his spirit. Um, and also I want to surrender to God in that way when I don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit comes and he helps me to pray and he knows what's happening inside of my heart. And without me, you know, expressing it in words, it's connecting with God and, and he's helping me as I surrender to God to be praying according to his will that he's going to be revealing to me. And you say, well, that's a good thing. I want it. I want to pray in the spirit. I want to pray in the spirit. I want to pray in tongues. I want that gift. If that is you, uh, just maybe two or three quick notes that I want to share with you. And then I'm going to leave you to ask God for that. And the reason why, if you're watching this, maybe on your phone or on your computer and you are by yourself in this moment, and you're saying, well, I don't have a pastor or a leader to pray for me for this gift. You can do it just where you are standing right now because it is not another person that is praying for you for this gift. It is Jesus himself that gives this gift to us. And that is what I want to read to you in John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus speaking. That's how the Holy Spirit is given the, the, the power of the Spirit and, and things like boldness or the gifts of the Spirit, even praying in a tongue, receiving a, a spiritual tongue uh, or heavenly language to pray in. It is something that the Father gives by Jesus. And so when I pray for you in church, like we're going to be doing on site this week uh, at church, um, if you are you know, around, make sure that you come to our on site meetings. We are going to pray for one another, but when we pray for one another, it is actually not we praying for one another. We're standing next to you and we're asking Jesus to give this gift to you. And so that is why it is possible for you, even if you are by yourself, that Jesus can give that gift to you, that you can receive a gift, even if no one is around, even if you are by yourself. It is not the person praying for you. And also what we see when we look at that scripture, because it's the Father giving it by Jesus, it's not dependent on your spiritual maturity. It's not like when you get to level seven of Christianity, then you qualify for the gifts of the Spirit. That's rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. Just like because it's something that the Father gives because He wants to. He's a good Father. Because He is good, He gives it. Not because you are good and you've reached level seven of Christianity. It's got nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. You can be an immature Christian and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's given 
by a good father in his time. So let me end off by making it real practical for yourself. I'm going to quickly tell you about how uh, I experienced this, you know, speaking in a, in a heavenly language for the first time, praying in a tongue. Uh, so for me, they spoke about it in church. And so I went forward for prayer and they prayed for me that Sunday, but it wasn't the last time. Uh, they prayed for me a few times. I wanted the gift of the Spirit. And something that, that made sense for me was a teaching where someone just explained this simple concept to me. It's like just, when, just the same way as you know the story when Peter was in the boat and Jesus was on the water and uh, walking on the water and Jesus calls Peter to say, come step out of the boat and come walk on the water with me, come to me. And then Peter, let me just quickly explain this. What did Peter not do? Peter did not sit there in the boat and then look at his legs and say, walk or just think, think real hard about walking. He didn't think about walking, what did he do? He stepped up and he stepped out of the boat and he started walking on the water with his own legs. Now the point I wanna make there, who was in charge of the body of Peter in that moment? It was Peter. Peter was not possessed by the spirit or something like that. He was still in charge of his own will and he was in charge of his walking apparatus, his legs. He was using his own legs, his walking apparatus to start walking in faith because of a call that was from Jesus. Now in the same way, when you pray in a heavenly language, when you pray in tongues, some people I think might have this concept that, that, that it's like the Spirit will possess you. The, the Spirit is not a demon. He doesn't possess us. So He doesn't take charge of your will and override your will completely. If you want to keep quiet, you can keep quiet because you are in charge of your own body. He's given you that will. He's not a demon that He will possess you. He doesn't do it that way. He leads us. And so when you start speaking in this you know, foreign heavenly language, whatever, the, the sounds that you make, it sounds coming out of your mouth. Literally, you're using your tongue to form the sounds and the, the words and you're using your lips. But as you start speaking and making these sounds, you will find that you will start speaking words that don't make real sense to you right away. Um, but it is actually a heavenly language that we can trust that this is the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit and you are exercising this gift of praying in a tongue, in a heavenly tongue. The point I want to get to is you, you are using your talking apparatus, your, your tongue and your lips to form these words and you are still in charge of your mouth when you are praying in the Spirit. That's why something, it's, it's, I can do it right now, but I can also stop it right now. And it's very important to understand this. And so, so this started making sense to me. I prayed and nothing happened. Nothing happened. A few times they prayed for me, nothing happened. And on one day, uh, on my way, I was, I, was, I was actually driving, or I wasn't driving, someone else was driving. I was on the back of a bucky. I was a student lying on the back of the bucky in like a rural area just outside Bloemfontein. And as we were driving, I thought to myself, well, no one can hear me now because I'm in the back of the bucky. No one's going to look funny at me. And uh, if you are alone, then that's a good time to try it. No one's going to hear me if I sound like, you know, wrong. And so I started making, I started speaking. I started using my mouth and I started praying in a heavenly language. That, that's how I received. That's how it started happening for me. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Now, I have also experienced other times in church where we spoke about this and there was a girl coming to myself and my wife and she asked that we pray for her to receive the Holy Spirit. We said that we'll do that. 
but I've prayed for many people and then nothing happens. I've prayed for sick people, then they don't get healed. And so we started praying for this girl, say, we know Jesus, this is you giving your spirit. Would you just come and fill her with your spirit right now? And then she started speaking in a tongue, in a heavenly language. And my wife and I, we were shocked. But then we thought to ourselves, oh, okay, it's probably one of those. She was just doubting whether she has the Spirit, but she grew up, you know, in a Christian church. So she already knows how to pray in a tongue, you know, nothing new. And I thought, I'll have the conversation with her to explain to her, you actually already have the Spirit. You know, stop doubting it and just start walking in it. And then afterwards, she looked at us with these big eyes and she says, I started praying in tongues for the first time in my life. Right there and then, she started speaking in tongues for the first time. My wife and I, we were more surprised than her because we didn't think it would happen. And that's the point. It's nothing that we do. It's something that God does, but He calls us into it, just like Jesus was calling Peter to come and walk on the water. But we respond with our own bodies and we follow this voice of Jesus. My prayer for you is if you've got that desire, don't, don't just avoid it. You know, step into it. But don't fall into a, something of inferiority. If it doesn't happen right away, that's fine. It doesn't mean you are not a good enough Christian. You're only at level six. You're not at level seven in Christianity yet. Just keep on pressing into it and allow God to, to release this, this wonderful gift of praying in the Spirit. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit, that you give it freely and uh, with lots of generosity. God, we know that the fact that I'm speaking to you right now means that I'm already in the Spirit. It means that I've got access to your Spirit. May all of my friends listening to this understand that, God, that we've got access to your Spirit already. God, when you remind us of certain things that you taught us and you, you point to certain things in our lives that needs to change, we know it's your Spirit speaking to us. When you remind us of, of friends and family that we start praying for, we know that it's your Spirit working uh, as we intercede for others, God. God, but I also want to pray if there's anyone that wants to receive the gift of tongues, watching this right now, God, may they receive it in your name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.